Well, Tim, it's been a few months since we talked last. Uh, why don't you update us about how the ministry is going there in AIDS? Well, Steve, uh, I think I want to say that it's been very encouraging to see uh, how spiritually receptive people are and how our team members have risen to the challenges and opportunities in front of them of continually and intentionally meeting new people, engaging with them about spiritual matters, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, seeing people respond to the gospel and uh, begin discipleship in, in small groups. So I'm actually quite encouraged the kind of progress that has taken place since we last talked. Tim, uh, why don't you give us a story or an example to make to make that concrete? What what does the progress look like? Well, one of the things I think we where the learning curve has been really sharp is in the way that we uh, meet new people. Um, as you know, we we started knocking on doors some months ago in a style that we called adopt a block, where we would go um, knock on doors in a neighborhood, uh, get to know people, introduce ourselves. And we found it was fairly easy to begin sharing our own stories of knowing God personally with people that we met, and many times the first time we met them. After doing that for maybe two months or so, one of my team members, an older gentleman, uh, nearly 70 years of age, said, Tim, it's too slow. If we want to win this whole community for Jesus, and this is the pace, uh, it's going to be too slow. And I, I was really listening because I, I realized that this is very time-consuming to go back once a week or once a fortnight to the same people. So Ted suggested that we actually devise a simple little questionnaire to help us ascertain the people who are most spiritually receptive. So I said, Ted, well, show me what you got in mind. So he came back a couple of days later put together a questionnaire, we sort of fine-tuned it, and then we we started to pilot this new method. And since then, things have really moved forward very rapidly. Uh, the learning curve has continued to be very sharp, and I think we've got a, a very simple but very effective method now for uh, finding spiritually receptive people, covering a lot more uh, streets and neighborhoods as a result, and finding ourselves sharing our story and his story, sharing the gospel with many more people, more people coming to know Jesus, and more groups started. So give us an example of, of how that's worked out in, a, in an encounter with someone in the community. Okay. Well, what we typically do is go out in twos and, and uh, knock on a door in a neighborhood, um, and... We will introduce ourselves. And what I train our team is uh, what I say, you, guys, you've got to jump the fence. In other words, when, when we go to knock on someone's door, it begins with prayer. So Jesus uh, says in Luke 10, ask the Lord of the harvest, and then he sends them, go. So we ask and then we go. And then as we, as we get to someone's home, we, we want to intentionally jump the fence. That is, we stop thinking about ourselves what we're going to say, what they're going to think, what happens if they slam the door, and we start thinking about them. And I sort of 
this this hit me one day when I was reading Acts 17, where Paul, when he went to Athens, it says, as he walked around, he observed carefully their objects of worship. And so we simply make uh, an, uh, a conscious effort to observe uh, this person's home, their, their garden, their lawn, their path, their veranda, their windows, the smells, the sights, the sounds, the pets, the jewelry. And so when we introduce ourselves, we fairly quickly typically find ourselves saying something about them, which communicates that we're not just interested in getting out our agenda, but we're actually interested in them. And that may sound very minor, but we actually see that that helps people relax and drop defenses when they realize and they begin to feel, hey, this person might really be interested in me. So that that's significant. And then um, we introduce ourselves. We, we tell them up front what we're on about. Uh, we're interested in the community, in the neighborhood. We're knocking on doors. We're starting small groups in the neighborhood. And we've got a few questions we'd like to ask them about spiritual things because we're really interested in in the spiritual health of this of this community. So I say, can I ask you five questions? And I've yet to have someone say no. I've had we have about less than five percent of people who say not interested right away before we've really said anything. But that's very very few people, less than five percent. So then we ask five questions, and our fifth fifth question is our key question, which is simply this. If you could know God personally, would you be interested? And we give them four options. Yes, no, unsure, or other. If you could know God personally, would you be interested? Now, we're finding a minimum of 25% of people's doors that we knock on say yes to question five. Mm. So what we typically follow up with is something like this. Well, let me tell you how I came to know God personally. And that's just a little bridging phrase. It makes it so simple to move from an introduction and asking people five questions. And then when someone says yes, we know that something's going on there spiritually. God's got there before we did. And so then we just tell them how we came to know God personally briefly. And typically that becomes a dialogue because they want to tell us about themselves. And so we're getting to know this person about what they think, what they think about God, their experiences, very valuable information about them that they're offering. And when we finish with that, we then would typically say, well, I'd like to tell you from the New Testament how you can know God personally. Is now a good time or would it be best to come back later to make a time that's more convenient with you? And again, Many people will either say, well, yeah, i, I got time now. Do you want to come in? Or we'll stand there on the front veranda and, and speak with them. Or they'll suggest, well, what about tomorrow? What about next week? Or, you know, I've got to go now. And it's as simple as that. And so through that kind of simple strategy, we're sharing um, our story and his story, the gospel of Jesus, from the New Testament with a lot of people. Um so yeah, I, I, Tim, give us, um, and we'll put the five questions you ask somewhere on the, the website with this uh, and link it to the podcast. But just, just um, can you think of a memorable uh, encounter with someone where they've, they've, you know, that sort of describes how you connect and how their response has gone? Can you give us a, an example of someone? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, one of the 
the guys that I met a few weeks ago. Um, I went went to the house and um, knocked on the door. He came to the door and he came out and he, he basically said um, he he wasn't really interested in this kind of stuff. And so I was tempted to say, well, hey, have a nice day. We'll see you later. But then I looked and I noticed he had a cross around his neck. And so I said, oh, I see, I see you wearing a cross. And he just sort of began to relax. And within a few minutes, he was telling us about um, his mother, who was dying of cancer um, and in hospital. And so his wife joined the conversation and his daughter. And we talked for about 15 minutes about some fairly significant stuff. And he told us about other difficulties he was having. And he was struggling with some things in life. I asked if I could pray with him. And so we prayed. And he, he was visibly moved. He had a bit of a tear coming down his eyes. And so I said, do you mind if we come back again? He said, no, that'd be great. So I went back a couple weeks later. This is a guy who, who initially didn't, didn't want to talk. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to talk. And so this was, a, for me, a good example of jumping the fence, just noticing something about him, being a little bit patient, not drawing conclusions too quickly, and just trying to listen and, and attend to this person. And you, so you prayed for him on, on, and his mum on the spot, not just, oh, hey, I'll pray for you when I go home. It was right there and then. No, that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, and he was very receptive to that. So I thought, well, hmm, this is interesting. So I went back a couple of weeks later. And when I looked at his, the sheet I had with his details, and I realized I never asked him the five questions mm. in the first encounter. We didn't get there. So I said, how you doing? And uh, in the interim, his mom had died. Yeah. And so um, I, we stood and we, we talked for quite some time. And then I, then I thought, well, I, needed, I, didn't need to, I need a way to get this conversation back on a spiritual footing. So I said, you know, when I came, I meant to ask you these five questions, but I realized I never did would it be okay if I ask you these now? And he said, yeah, sure. And so we went through the questions, and he was, he was the type of guy who was wanting to tell me that he sort of has his own kind of beliefs. And so when I got the question five, if you could know God personally, would you be interested? Um, he said, well, not really sure. And so I said to him, I said, um, so I told him a little bit more of my story of how I came to know God personally. And then I said, well, what if I come back another time and I share with you from the New Testament how you can know God personally? He said, yeah, that, that'd probably be all right. And just as I was leaving, he said to me, he said, yeah, I'm actually doing it pretty tough. Mm. So he'd held up a bit of a, yeah. you know, a bit of a front. But then just as I was leaving, he, he let out a little, a little insight that, you know, hey, I'm actually doing it pretty tough. Now, I, 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 saw, I saw him this week and had a little hello to him from, from a distance but I actually haven't got back to this guy's house to share the gospel with him. Um, so, yeah, that's just, just an example of, of the kind of things that happened. Um, th- there was another, uh, a, a neighbor of his. There was, uh, do you want me to tell you another, another yeah. story? Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, uh, th- this is an interesting one. And so it, sometimes it happens exactly mm. as we want, and sometimes it's a little bit different. And this one was a young girl with two small children. And uh, I asked her the questions, and she was a bit unsure of whether she would wanted to know God person. But she was very warm and friendly, so I made a little note. And two weeks later, I came back, and I knocked on the door. I had a different person with me. And she opened the door. She smiled at us and immediately said, well, come on in. And 
so I thought, this is interesting. She's not really sure that she's interested in knowing God personally, but she's very warm and receptive. She just invited us as strangers right into the home. So I, I asked her a question somewhere along the line of, tell me, you know, what kind of dreams and hopes for the future do you have? And she said, I'm not really sure about the future, but I really am afraid that because of karma, mm. my daughters will do the things I did when I was a teenager. And I thought, that is very interesting. And so I began to talk to her. I began to share my story with her of growing up in a fairly dysfunctional family and how, because of Christ coming into my life, I've been able to start, in a sense, a whole new generation. And my kids that are now grown and they, they love the Lord and, and, and they're, they're doing well because God made a difference in my life. And I said, you know, you can start a whole new generation. So as she told more of her story, I found out that what she wasn't interested in, she wasn't interested in the experiences of church that she'd had, one that was very traditional and one that was very contemporary, and both sort of freaked her out. But she was very interested in how she could have a different life and how she could have a different life for her daughters. And she began to tell me that her husband had been a Christian, but because she didn't want to go to church, he had sort of backslid. So she said, come and meet my husband. So I came in back a few days later, met her husband. We had a really good chat. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm backslid. And I said, you know, I, I, I'd love to have the opportunity to sit down with both of you to be able to share the simple message of Jesus. Would you guys be interested? I, t I said, I'll tell you what, I'll just leave that question with you. What we could do is I could come over a period of weeks and just share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would help you, and I'd mention him by name, help you get back on track with Jesus, and it would help you, the female's partner, to get the information so you could decide for yourself about following Jesus. So I said, okay, that's good. So I went back this week to see them, and they said, well, yeah, we've thought about it. We've talked about it. We, we do want to do that. And I said, well, what would be a good time? So as we're... We're thinking about uh, an appropriate time and finding it a little bit difficult because schedule not pretty running little groups. He says, Tim, you, you told me there's a group running across the road at someone's house. We've sort of talked and we realize we don't know many neighbors, new people. Would it be possible if we came to the group across the street? And I thought, oh, yes, Lord, how good is that? So I said, Great. I'll talk to the person who leads the group across the road. We'll come over and meet next Tuesday. We'd be welcome you guys uh, into that group. So, yeah, that, that's just another story of... of so, uh, so, Tim, how uh, many... You know, sharing um, with people. Roughly, how many people of you or households of you and your team visited? We fear we've, we've met and had some sort of reasonable relational contact with about maybe about 500 people um, and the more people we meet the easier it is to meet more people and the more people that become believers uh, you know the more people we're introduced to and like so, last week mm -hmm. last week I led a group and uh, I got there and two new people were there uh, that had been invited by the group hosts out in, out in one of the neighborhoods so we, we're you know we're meeting people that way so 500 people that you've had, so and then there's just 95% of people that you get to talk to want to talk more and hear a bit of your story 
hear a bit of um, how can we have a relationship with God. Is that right? Well, yeah, uh, 95% of people are willing to answer some questions. Okay. The ones we meet for. And out of those, we're finding at least 25% respond yes to that question five. They say they'd okay. like to know God personally. Now, yeah. on some streets where our team have worked, they found it to be significantly higher than 25% mm. and closer to 50 But to be conservative, I, I think I'd want to say we're finding 25% of people say yes to question five. And okay, so, so, so 95% of people say, hey, we'd talk. like to talk a bit and answer the questions that you've got. You get to that fifth question about if, it's, if uh, you could know God personally, would you be interested? And 25% conservatively say, yeah, we'd like to learn more. We're interested to talk, to hear your story and hear, hear uh, um, you know, the basics of uh, how, I, how they can know God personally. So now this yep. is in an area that traditionally people would have seen this is a resistant, hard uh, area. They're, they're, I'd imagine there are no mega church, churches down in Ed's. Um, the churches there would be struggling. Uh, so in, in this sort of uh, what, what we thought was a resistant area, you're finding um, quite a large number of people uh, want to find out more about knowing God. Yeah, exactly. And I think the key for us has been our, our, our approach is very relational. So we're very interested in people, uh, getting to know them, to hear their stories, to find out where they're coming from. Uh, and also we're very upfront about what our agenda is. We want people to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to understand it and have a chance to respond to it. Respond to it. We want that for every person in the community because we believe that's what God wants. And so we tell people that up front. So and again, why, why up front, Tim? I mean, we, we often hear, well, we need to earn the right to speak. Uh, I mean, you are demonstrating Christ's love, just the way you describe the interaction with that, that man who'd, who'd, um, whose mother had passed away. But we're sort of, uh, these days, we're sort of saying, well, you know, that up front stuff is, is going to offend people, put them off. We really need to earn the right. We need to take a long time before we start um, inquiring about their beliefs and telling them about Jesus. So why, why are you so upfront? Well, for a few reasons. Uh, one is um, we're specifically looking for the most spiritually receptive people. We're not concerning ourselves right now with investing a lot of time in people that aren't really open. Um, and what, what we found is the longer you know someone and don't tell them about Jesus, the harder it gets to bring up Jesus later in the relationship. Hmm. So there was an initial fear about being so upfront about our faith and about our uh, desire and goal to tell people about Jesus. But once we overcome that initial fear... We've seen this is so easy because God has has been there before us and we're finding so many people's hearts and lives have been prepared to hear the good news by the work of the Spirit. So in this community, there, there's a lot of people who really, I think, want good news. They want hope. They want to know how they can be forgiven. I had a woman uh, last Thursday 
I went to do a group at their house, and I said, they've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, this little group, and I said, now, are there any questions of what you've read? And this woman says, well, I have a question. And I said, what's that? And she says, well, how do you get started with this? I mean, how do you get started with Jesus? And I thought, this is phenomenal. I've been sharing the gospel with her, and she she's now anxious and 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 really wanting to know, well, how, how do I get going with Jesus? And so I shared the part of my story, which explains how I actually made a start. And uh, and then she said something. She said, you know, I, I, I get up in the morning, uh, and it's same old, same old. Then the following day, I get up, and it's same old, same old. And the following day, I get up, and it's same old, same old. And she says to me, she says, there's got to be more. And so I said, well, hey, maybe today uh, in our group, uh, because there's a couple new people here today have come, and because of what you're asking, maybe we should just succinctly look at what is the good news of Jesus Christ and how does a person get started? So I set aside the lesson we were going to do on the resurrection, and I just went through the gospel with using the New Testament, using the share of Jesus without fear uh, model or method of evangelism, but with the group. And so we turned to a scripture, Romans 3.23. I asked someone to read that aloud and said, now what's that say to you? So we worked through a series of scriptures explaining the problem that every person has, which is sin and its result, the solution which God has provided, Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, the response that's required, faith and repentance, confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart, and the result being eternal life, peace with God, forgiveness. And then I said to them, I asked them five questions, which I typically do when I share the gospel, and uh, went through with the group, got a response from every, every person in the group. And the fifth question is, are you uh, ready to invite Jesus Christ in your heart and life? And three people, including that woman, said yes, they were. And then they prayed and, and asked Christ to come into their life and turn away from their sins. And it was just as simple as that. And so I'm thinking, here's a lady who I met through door knocking, they were willing to host a group and invite their neighbors and friends to come to that group and other family members. And a few weeks into explaining the gospel to them, she's actually feeling impatient. She wants to know how she can get started. So I think, well, okay, I get it, God. I just need to give them an opportunity today to get started. And it was just as simple as being, you know, turning pages and asking questions and letting God do the rest. And so now, you know, there you go. So you and there's a group going in around meeting people uh, in the community in their homes, and uh, you, you, you're asking these questions. You're sharing your story and then his story, the gospel, and then um, I'm sounding like from what you've just said that some of the people who uh, respond positively. Uh, you form a group around them that they themselves host. You don't sort of take them down to the local church or to your place. You actually meet in their home and they invite friends and neighbours and, uh, and, and, and others to come and be a part of the group. And what, what do you do in the group? Well, in the groups, what, what, we've, what we've done is something very simple that many people will be familiar with. We've been using a simple evangelism tool called Christianity Explained. So it's a six-session, very basic, you know, three-decade-old process evangelism course. And I use that because it's, it's pretty simple. I like that it's based on Mark's gospel. 
Uh, I like that I can leave them with a summary sheet with all the main points and the passages that we've talked about. I like that it's fairly easy for anybody to lead, and I like that it, it gives an opportunity for people to respond. What I'm finding with running these groups is, is with many of the groups now, as I've been going through those six-week sessions, people are actually impatient to want to receive Jesus, as is happened last week. In two of the different, or actually three of the different groups, I did similar things by just sharing the gospel, and, and people actually committed their life to Christ. Now, I'll keep on going through the material because I want to teach them the important components of the gospel, and then immediately we begin to do some discipleship lessons. So typically, Steve, when I've started the groups, mm-hmm. I've told people that our end goal is to start little simple churches, but what we're going to begin doing is just going over the gospel so we, that we all get on the same page with Jesus, and then we'll start the discipleship lessons, which will focus on teaching them how to share their story and how to share his story with their family, friends, and neighbors and how to make a list. Now, now you're messing with my mind here, Tim. So even before people have made a formal commitment to Jesus, you're, you're saying to them, hey, we'd like to start some simple churches here in the community. And you're enlisting their help and support. You're, you're meeting as a group in their home. Uh, so you're actually you're recruiting people who aren't yet Christians to be on your church planting team. That's right, because we, we believe Jesus' words in Luke 10, where he sends out the 72 uh, ahead of him into towns and villages to find persons and houses of peace. We believe that's relevant strategy for today. So when someone opens their heart to the message of peace, opens their heart to the messengers of peace, meaning welcomes us into their home, and when that someone is willing to invite friends, neighbors, and relatives to hear the gospel in their home, we think that's significant. So we, we want to plan ourselves in those kind of places because we believe these are going to be uh, the strategic people on the inside of this culture who will really get a hold of both seeds of the gospel and seeds of the church in their heart and will will spread it uh, uh, you know, rapidly through the community here. So, so it's, it's that person or house of peace idea in Luke 10, and I, I suppose uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter and Cornelius, where Cornelius has got the house full of friends and neighbors and family members, household members. Uh, it's, it's looking for the doorways into the community and then building, um, well, bringing the gospel to a group of people uh, making disciples out of that and then helping them form simple church. Yeah, and that's why we found it's, it's, it's much better to be very upfront about what our purpose is when we first begin to meet people and also to be upfront about our end vision. And in fact, I find myself frequently at people's doors, first meeting, casting vision with them because I'm looking for people who say, hmm, that sounds interesting. Because I'm thinking that's going to be significant. And so these, these people that we've met that are willing to open up their homes, uh, you know, when we go and start sharing the gospel, my strategy is this is training. I'm training these people how to be the insiders in this culture who are going to really make a difference for the, you know, who are going to be the local leaders that this movement rests upon. 
and 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 is based around uh, again, like some of the ones you mentioned, the Corneliuses, the the Lydias, the Philippian jailers, the the Zacchaeuses. Uh, you know, those people, those examples we see in the New Testament of people who are inside their culture, the local people who embrace the gospel, embrace the gospel messengers, and are willing to share it with others. To me, that seems to be one of the key for the rapid expansions of, of the church in the first century and throughout throughout history. So that's, you know, that's our experiment here. We're just, we're just experimenting with some of these ideas and, and processes to see if maybe this would work in a Western Australian context. And so you and the group have, have been out, um, you know, uh, meeting these people, sharing the gospel. Uh, now, ha- you've started a number of neighborhoods, sort of the Christianity Explained groups that can become discipleship groups and they can become simple churches. So how many groups currently are you running throughout the community? We've got about a dozen groups going now um, and a couple other little small ones. I mean, they're actually starting quite naturally and quite rapidly. So, I mean, it's as simple as um, when the team, when we go out knocking on doors, which we do usually three separate scheduled times each week, uh, and almost every week now when we knock on doors people come to faith and then immediately uh, myself or team members arrange to go back and start follow up and then what we've learned to do to start groups we just simply say hey would you be would it be okay with you if other people were meeting in the neighborhood um, came as well uh, and sometimes they'll say well no that that's not a I, mean, I wouldn't do that. And sometimes I'll say, well, yeah, that'd be fine. And then we've learned to say simply, now, maybe there's people that you'd like to invite, maybe neighbors or friends or people you work with or go to TAFE with or something like that. And some people say, oh, yeah, th- there is. And so we're fine just by asking people and raising the issue, some people very naturally just said, yeah. So I, I, I started a group about three weeks ago, and I had said to the to the woman who was hosting the group, I said, now, Maybe there's some people you'd like to invite and didn't really say much more. And when I showed up for the group, her mother and stepdad from a suburb 20 minutes away were there, Moorbank. I'm in Ayrts. This was Moorbank. And then her her aunt from uh, Granville was there, which is much further still. And I thought, you've got to be joking. How good is this? You know? Um, so, yeah, not, not everybody does that, but there's some people who just very naturally want to share the good news that they're in the process of receiving with other people immediately. Mm. And that's what we think is a good indicator that they may be a person and or a house of peace. Tim, obviously there's been a real, uh, some real breakthroughs since we talked last. Uh, what, what's next? What do you think's next in... in uh what God's doing there in ads? Well, I think there's 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 a couple things that we're particularly wanting to be conscious of. One is uh, we we sense that we've got some momentum that has built and is building. Uh, you know, it seems that God's Spirit is working powerfully. We we're praying for a lot of people. We, we've seen some reasonably significant healings take place. And uh, so God had been challenging about that, and, and, and I don't know how to pray for people for healing, and neither do my team, and I've never really been any good at it. And we just sort of felt that the only way we're going to get good at it and give God a chance to, to work is just pray for as many people as we can. So we just 
made a decision consciously to just wherever we find someone sick or whatever, we just, can we pray for you? And so, so we, we've seen some significant things happen in terms of healing. And so we, we, we feel we want to keep our foot on the accelerator, so to speak, in meeting new people and continually evangelize. Things are a little bit chaotic in terms of we're, we're finding it difficult to follow up the, the receptive people that we have. But I think in some senses that's, that's a good thing because what that reminds us is that reminds us that we desperately need to pray and work wisely with God to raise up local leaders. And so that's the first thing really is continue to press into new neighborhoods, meet new people, share the gospel with Jesus, win people, and begin discipling people and start groups. But at the same time, we realize it's absolutely critical that we identify and intentionally work to equip the first generation of local leaders who will be the people to lead the second generation of groups. So what we've proven is that as, as a team, we can meet, engage, win, disciple people and start new groups. What we haven't yet proven is can we train local people to do those same things. Now, we're seeing a few positive sprouts begin to break through the ground that you know hearten us, but we still have a significant way to go until we can say, yes, we've, 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 we've found out and proven that we can raise up local people who can win people, disciple them, start and lead groups. So that's, that's going to be a real focus of our next phase of work here in Ayers. Well, Tim, that is so encouraging to hear what, uh, what God is doing in Ayers. Um, and all the more because uh, all of us experts would have said, well, it's, it's, it's a hard field. You ought to go to the you know, the outer suburbs where the young fam- middle-class families are, they're responsive. And it's just wonderful to hear in a, in a part of the world that's pretty disadvantaged um, that, that God is at work. And um, so uh, I'm, we're excited with you and going to look forward to in, perhaps in the next couple of months uh, hearing how those uh, 12 groups have gone and... Um, yeah, so thanks very much for sharing with us today, Tim. Hey, Steve, can I say one yeah. P.S.? Mm. I was having a conversation with another church leader this morning, and he was just checking on some of the things I had communicated, and he uh, highlighted to me that if if our estimate of meeting 500 people is accurate and our estimate that 50-plus uh, people have become Christians, uh, that, that means about 10% of the people that we're meeting are actually becoming believers. And he said, you know, people typically say that Sydney is a really hard place and people aren't receptive to the gospel. But he's suggesting that this experience is proving otherwise. And I guess I just want to encourage other people that maybe Sydney isn't as hard a ground as we thought. And, again, a lot of people are going to respond, well, well that's Ayers, but you don't know my people or my area. And I guess what I want to encourage people is, well, no, I don't, but maybe it's worth having a shot, you know, getting out there and knocking on a few doors, asking a few questions, and through experience, seeking to ascertain what is the level of spiritual receptivity in, among my target group, my neighborhood, the patch that I'm working in. And I think we, we might be pleasantly surprised that God really is at work in his world and his spirit is, is moving people's hearts to be receptive to Jesus. So really your encouragement to anybody sitting there and wondering, gee, could this, this work in my world? 
is uh, rather than just try and sort it out conceptually, it's actually get out, do what Jesus did, go go meet a few hundred people, um, and and connect with them and inquire. You know, if you could know God personally, would you be interested? Uh, yes. And once you've yes, met five hundred people, um, and, and then you'll be an expert on receptivity. But don't don't just sit in a classroom <laughs> or in a conference saying, "No, nah, that doesn't work here." Um, go out and, and do something. Go out and see, and and believe that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit and His dynamic Word, is with you. Well, I don't know if you'll be an expert, and I surely wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but you'll know a whole lot if you did it. And I think the other thing that's really encouraged me is as we've done this, we've learned so quickly and gotten much, much more effective at doing these things. And and the learning came as we did it, Mm. not before we did it, but as we did it. And, And it continues. Well, I'm going to look forward to staying in touch, Tim.